Friends, I got to tell you, when banana bread comes out of the oven, I can't help it. Yeah, see, there are some magical moments, uh, a window in which banana bread perfection exists. It's well, it's still warm on the inside, but the outside is cooled and started to get that, that crispiness. Any banana bread fans out there? Anybody? Yeah, yeah. Some of you just leave the bananas a little longer just so they get to the spot where they're ready for them? Maybe? Okay. Anyways, see, you wait too long. It cools on the inside. You miss that part. Uh, you wait for the next day. It's not crispy be on the outside anymore. I just, man, when it's there, I can't help wanting a piece, and especially the end piece. There's only two of them, but I like the end piece. Anybody with me there? Yes, yes. More crispy corners than all the other parts, and my family often obliges uh, for me on that. I've loved it ever since I was a kid, and and honestly, my wife makes it as well, if not better than my mom. Sorry, mom. Uh, I'm blessed. I can't help indulging whenever possible. I won't help it, whether it's like I just got done eating and like can't possibly be hungry or, or it's late at night and really it was for the next day and I already brushed my teeth. It doesn't matter. I want some and I usually won't help it and I'll indulge. And I don't think I'm alone in these sorts of pursuits. Uh, example number one, uh, grandma who's a first time grandma armed with pictures. You're going to see them. She is not going to hold back. A grade schooler with a new knock-knock joke. You're going to hear it. They are not going to hold back. Okay, third one. A high school couple that's newly together and just can't help but hold hands. You know, deal with it, folks. PDA coming your way. Each one would tell you. I can't help it. I won't help it. I'm going to indulge because there is something outside of me that stirs something inside of me, and I just don't want to hold back. That memorable melody that we sang just a minute ago, the house of the Lord, we sang over and again, there's joy in the house of the Lord, there's joy in the house of the Lord today. We said it again and again, and it describes this joy that we have as disciples of Jesus. There's, there's something outside of me that stirs something inside of me, so I don't want to, won't hold back. We shout your praise over and again. We repeated it, maybe for some of you, and because that's how the songs are built. It repeats multiple times. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Oh, wait, didn't we just sing that? Yep. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. Yeah, let's go one more time. We'll do it without the band this time. There's joy in the house. And for maybe if you're not a musician, or don't love those things, you're like, dang, I just, oh, I already sang that. (laughs) Maybe too many times for your taste, that we won't keep quiet. We shout your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. But is it too many? Or is it not enough? Is there joy in the house of the Lord Today, now, as I look around, as I as I hear you sing, particularly as uh, you guys are gathering in here, as we stand up and greet one another, I see joy, man. As as I see the the sighs, uh, the, the the breaths of relief that come, as I hear the declaration, a reminder, yeah, God does forgive my sins. I see joy. And as you walk back from communion after receiving the body and blood of Jesus Christ, His presence with you, His forgiveness for you, I see joy. But the writer of this song actually isn't just talking about worship. Certainly it's present there, but this song, House of the Lord, it was written in 2020, early 2020, when we weren't getting together, when this songwriter was not getting together with other people. His name's Phil Wickham. 
And he wrote it to encourage the scattered believers that there's still joy in the house of the Lord. And he's inviting us to, to see that house of the Lord, well, it can be understood as the gathering place, this building where we gather in, but it's also you. There is a house of the Lord that was not built with human hands, but by God. That you are the dwelling place of the Spirit. That there is joy in the house of the Lord. Say it with me. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Say it with me again and point to yourself. There's joy in the house of the Lord. See, God lives in us. He is the, this is the place, one of the places where God dwells. On the one hand, he is everywhere, but he's also promised to be with you. This is what happens in the waters of baptism. A God who's going to be with you. A deposit guaranteeing what's to come. It's, it's the promise that, that we know to be true as we hear this word, as we come to believe this. Even before you've been baptized, he says, I come to you in faith. And as you come to believe in these things, he comes to us in the body and blood, in, the, in communion, I come to be with you. Certainly as you taste these things, he's with you and his forgiveness is for you. And, and Wickham's point is this, and I think it's incredibly biblical but beautiful here. Where God is, joy lives. Say that with me. Where God is, joy lives. So as you try to answer that question, is there joy in the house of the Lord? It's a question both of a gathering together here and as a person that goes from here. Is it so much that you can't keep quiet? Are you as eager as I am getting banana bread out of the oven, trying to get a piece of that before it cools down? If I'm honest, I'm probably more eager for the banana bread than I am in exuding joy in my life. But it's why I like this memorable melody, why I find it magnificent, and why I encourage you to let this soundtrack soak in. There's joy in the house of the Lord. It's not just a song that you sing when you already are exuding joy. It is a roadmap for exuding joy becoming true of you. And the first and the primary piece of wisdom and the, the where this song begins, this is the wisdom of all of this. And I know we sing, there's joy in the house of the Lord. We sing that again and again. But I want to take you back to the beginning of the song because this is where the magic begins. Because it begins not with you, but with him. These are the first words we sang. We worship the God who was. We worship the God who is. We worship the God who evermore will be. He opened the prison doors. He parted the raging sea. My God, he holds the victory. If we're going to live with joy, if there's going to be joy in the house of the Lord, don't start by looking in you, but looking at him. Because where God is, joy lives. Try it with me. Where God is, Joy lives. Very good. And joy, it's quite distinct from happiness. The happiness is uh, what comes as I and myself respond to pleasant circumstances outside of me. But joy is a God-given reaction to God's work outside of me. 
That's how joy gets defined on and gotquestions.org, which if you want a website to write down, if you're struggling to, to answer some questions, either for your, your toddler with 20 questions or your coworker that's curious, gotquestions.org. A great place to start, uh, not particularly Lutheran or, or any denomination that I can tell, but a great place, to, a starting point for answering some basic questions in some fairly simple ways. And so when you Google there, what is joy? It, one, talks about that it's the fruit of the Holy Spirit dwelling in a person, but it also talks about this God-empowered response to God's work, whether promised or fulfilled. It's God-empowered reaction in you, either to God's work that's promised still to come or has already been Fulfilled. So if you want to find joy, stop looking in your own response, your own heart's response to the world or to your situation, to how things turn out or how you, you think things might turn out or how they have turned out in the past. Instead, start by moving to the front of your mind the reality that our God, the one who was and is and is to come, lives in you. That he is the same God who always is, who currently is and evermore will be. Just pause and, and be in that moment for a bit. We get so caught up in the here and now of, my t- of our time. Step back and see the one who was and is and is to come. The one who existed before anything ever existed. I, I can't even really wrap my mind around that, but it's what's true. And then he created, and everything from the smallest atom to the, to the most gargantuan galaxy out there, he made it. He walked with Adam and Eve in the garden. What was that like? What did he look like? I I don't know. What color was his hair? What was he wearing? I I don't know. But it was awesome. God himself walked with them. And he is the same God who miraculously parted the Red Sea. Who's heard that story before? Parting of the Red Sea. Yep. So this is is, uh, the... uh, Egyptians chasing the people of God, the Israelites out of Egypt. They have been enslaved and they're going to get stuck. The army's behind them. They're going to come up against the sea and the army's going to come over top of them. But God's like, I got you. I'm going to open a door that you didn't know was there. He parts the sea. They walk through on dry ground. The army chases them and the sea comes back over the top of them and they're saved. The ones who were enslaved are now free. It's the same God who miraculously opened locked prison doors for Paul and other Christians. Who's heard of this one? It's in, the, it's in the book of Acts. Maybe a little less known. So Paul's in jail. He's been persecuted. Uh, now he's a follower of Jesus and is proclaiming those things. He'd been locked up in jail and miraculously, boom, the door opens. Like, like the magic of movies kind of thing. But this was real and happened and they were able to walk out free. It's the same God. The, the God of the Old Testament is the same God of The New Testament is the same God of our present day and the same God of our future. It's the same one that's been working out his saving throughout all of time, and he's been doing the same things all throughout all of that. And so the one who was and is and is to come is with us now. It's the same God who took on flesh in Jesus Christ and won the victory on the cross to free us from slavery to sin, to get us out of the prison of hopelessness. This song uh, points to these things well, but the wisdom certainly didn't start where. You can start there. You can look throughout Scripture and see that this is the starting point in some major places. Like, for example, the Ten Commandments. What's the first one? 
You shall have no other gods, as in hold in high respect and awe this God, the one who was and is and is to come. Love and trust this God, who is the one who did the miraculous, who brought people out of Egypt. In fact, that's how the Ten Commandments are uh, introduced, if you look at them in Exodus. It says, hey, that God who brought you out of Egypt, who got you out of the land of slavery, this is the God who you'll honor above all other gods. Uh, when Jesus was asked, uh, as he walked this earth, whether, uh, what was the, the most important commandment? Does anybody know what it is? Call it out. What, do you, what did Jesus say the most important commandment is? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And then he's like, oh, by the way, and love your neighbor as yourself. But let's get the first things first. Love God. Where does the Lord's prayer start? See if you, say it along with me, the first line. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. All three of these things start with nothing about us and everything about him. We start with remembering who he was and is and is to come. We start with remembering that we are sons and daughters of the king. That his name and his reputation, as I pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. That's your name. Your reputation is above all things. And I can just pause and, and think, man, Lord God, you are completely loving and self-sacrificial. You are powerful beyond measure. This Father that I have, his name is above every name because he does these things. He always has been and he always will be infinite and completely powerful. And yet, and yet I can pray to him with the familiarity of a child to a father. I can call on him and he listens. I can speak to him and he walks along with me. I can continue to ask and ask him to provide. I can ask him to take the spotlight of his power and point it at my family or my friends or my neighbors and bring your presence and your blessing in these places. He's equipped you and invited you to point that spotlight of his blessing and his power in those places. He's equipped you for these things. And if there is going to be joy in the house of the Lord, start where the Lord always starts, with him. In fact, I want to be really direct here. I want to encourage you this week to pray the beginning of the Lord's Prayer, that first part, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, and stop. And then Work back through each one of those words and think about who he is, our Father. Like, we're in a family together. I'm not praying this alone, but I walk with other people to whom he's blessed and given these commandments to. We are sons and daughters of this Father together. So just, just soak up that. What does it mean to be a child that gets taken care of, a God who knows how to give good gifts, who's provided for me in all of these ways? Think about those words, uh, hallowed be your name, and a name above all names. Think about all the ways he's been faithful in the past, in God's word and all the ways he's been faithful in the past in your family and in your life. We're so quick to jump to the deliver us from evil and the give us this day our daily bread, the I need things. Hey God, I need you to protect me from these things, from these fears, from, from these illnesses. God, I need you to provide for me in this place, with this job, in this relationship. I'm so quick to get there, but we must not be so quick. Start where he starts. We must start with the truth of holding on to who lives in me, who dwells in me, who has taken up permanent residence in me. Uh, to help you with that, I want you to pull out your bulletin and look on the back of it. There's a verse there that we're going to read together. Psalm 1611. On the back of your bulletin, read along with me. 
You make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. Pause right there. I'm just going to stop right there because I want you to catch that part. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. Remember the phrase I told you before, where God is, joy lives. Say it again. Where God is, joy lives. Lives. And when you start there, you more clearly see not just the God who is in the past, but what that means for our present. That even if there's trouble, even if there's hardship or stress now, the joy continues. It's why Wickham leads us to sing of the past. You can set your bulletin down, down now if you want or make some notes in it as you'd like to. It's why Wickham leads us to sing of the past. Because he hung upon that cross, because he rose up from that grave, but then speak of the present, my God's still rolling stones away. Because of these things in the past, there's something true about the present, that he's still rolling stones away, that he's still bringing life from death. He's still setting the imprisoned free. He's still making marriages that are stuck in icy winter thaw and show signs of spring. He's still setting free those imprisoned by addiction to alcohol or drugs, to porn or gambling, to to shopping or eating or not eating. It's why we sing our God's still rolling stones away. Friends, what are the stones that are ahead of you? What are the things that look like a closed grave that are never gonna change? That, that relationship or situation that's, man, it, it just doesn't seem like it's gonna move. Friends, our God is still rolling stones away. It's why we sing not just of a God who healed and saved and made a way, but a God who saves, who presently heals, now who is and always does make a way. That's what we sing, at least. But do you believe it's true that our God still is rolling stones away? Do we just pray your will be done or do you believe that God actually has given you authority to take the spotlight and direct his power, to do his will in that relationship, in that addiction, in that challenge or illness or seemingly hopeless grave rock in place kind of situation it's for you or those you care about. Well, friends, he's put his resurrection power in you, that power that made it possible for him to hang upon the cross and rise up from the grave, that roll that stone away. It is in you. Romans 8 declares it. It was read a moment ago, but let me give you verse 11 again. Romans 8, 11. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, if that's true, which it's true if you've been, uh, brought, been brought to the waters of baptism, it's true if you receive communion here and trust that this is true, his forgiveness is for you, it is true. And so then here's what's true about you. He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give you life, give life to your mortal bodies. A life that's filled with moving stones, with healing and saving, which delivering from fear and from hopelessness, giving life to your mortal bodies through his spirit that dwells in you. It's why Paul, as he prayed to the Ephesians, this is Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17, it's why he expressed this hope for believers in Jesus. And friends, it's my prayer for you as well. Let me read it for you. I keep asking 
that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the joy to which he's called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance with his holy people. And get this, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. Here's the power. The power that is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority. Hallowed be your name. Above all power and dominion, hallowed be your name. High above every name that is invoked, hallowed be your name, God. Not only in the present age, but in the one who is to come. For where God is, God's power is, and that's why joy lives in us. There is not just joy in the house of the Lord as we gather together, but as we scatter into all the places we live, work, and play, as we live as everyday people every day, in all those places, there is also joy in the house of the Lord today. Maybe the repeats feel too much at times, but I wonder if they're enough. Because rather than describing a worship service, we're declaring what's true and what can be more and more our experience as everyday people every day. We're declaring what God says is reality so that it can be increasingly our experience of reality. Say it with me again. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Point to yourself and say it. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. Not just someday, but today. Because we can say presently, the one who was and is and is to come has taken this beggar and made me royalty. Has taken this prisoner and made me run and free. Has made me forgiven, accepted, and redeemed by his grace. And so we pray, let the house of the Lord, this house of the Lord, sing praise. It's a soundtrack that just flings promises at us one after another. It declares what's true about us, even if it doesn't seem true yet. But I would encourage you, singing this is not a fake it till you make it kind of thing. It's a speak it till you see it kind of thing. And here's the difference. There's no faking needed. God's done it, is doing it, and forevermore will be doing it, giving you joy, giving you that that contentment, that steadfast peace. He's doing his work in you. He's filled you with his spirit, and that spirit empowers you to react to the work of God in your life, so let it be before your eyes so that you can have joy. Sing it and speak it. Take that that verse and put it someplace you can see it. Let the, the verse of that song run through your head. There's joy in the house of the Lord. And yeah, we'll experience tribulation and pain and hardship, but this peace, this joy is deeper than all of that because Jesus has given us a hope and a future. No, it's not like banana bread where there's only a small window to indulge in the joy of that. Your whole life is the window, as everyday people, every day. For where God is, joy lives. And he lives in you. So let's not keep quiet. Let's be known for our joy because of him. Amen.